Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dorothy and welcome to The Late Show. Last week we talked about uh, why does she hate you and we need to rediscover that all relationships aren't bad, all men aren't bad, all women aren't emotional. We need to recognise that the vast majority of relationships in the 50% success range are good relationships. But we have a terrible track record. And we hear all the time things like, you know, well, people can't be, humans can't be monogamous. And they, they start saying things like monogamous relationships were created for a time when people only lived to be 30 years old. Well, I've got news for you. No, that's just not true. Monogamous is not about a state of mind. It's about a state of being. Monogamous is about when you choose someone, literally choose someone. And you choose to share your life with them. When we go back to the early models of marriage and relationships, it wasn't always a choosing. It was and then it wasn't. But there was something that was quite quite normal in relationships through the ages that we act as if we've only got it now. And the word is choice. There may have been, you know, in the richer echelons and the to the men of born types and royalty, that may not have been a thing. That wasn't how the world operated. That wasn't how people functioned. There may have been arranged marriages even, but even those applied a level of choice for the vast majority. So let's step back away from our own arrogance. And I talk about selfishness in relationships with women. Last week we addressed men, and we're not talking about all men or all women. We're talking about these situations that come up commonly, and they are so common as to be repeated and repeated in relationship sessions, in relationship therapy. Relationship therapy has a flaw. It doesn't seem to fix relationships. Within a year to two years of ending the therapy, um, over 80%, I think it is, of those relationships that went to therapy break down. That means they're not finding the issue. They're not getting to the bottom. And I think, personally, my feeling is that the, the, the problem with relationship therapies is they 
base the their whole consideration on the relationship itself, not the individuals within it. How do you feel about it when he does this? How do you feel about it when she does that? What would you like to say? Well, it's a crock to my mind. I think we have a lot of fake psychology within the psychology industry. And I call it fake because they can't even make their own stuff work. And therefore, they haven't practiced it. They haven't developed it. And therefore, they can't find a solution. So personal development, that is when you understand yourself better, you can take somebody actually better into the relationship. When you understand what you don't like about yourself, you can be a better version of yourself and take that into the relationship. Every time you improve something about yourself, you get to take that back into the relationship. If you try and fix the relationship, you leave two broken people with the problem. So what are women like when it comes to selfishness? Why would he hate me? Last week, we why does she hate you? Now we've got, why does he hate you? Now, it's not quite the same energy with me. They become more dismissive or they just want to leave. They're less likely to try and hang on to something that's just not good. There are those that do. So we live in a world where I get fed up with having to modify my speech patterns <laughs> because it's everything or nothing. Extremism in the way that we think. And women do that. They get extreme in their thoughts. Instead of thinking something's wrong, they build it up and build it up so that by the time the guy gets home, by the time he's sitting there, we need to talk or we've got to talk. And this goes on because the, 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 the girl thinks she's communicating really well because you think you're talking to your partner really well. You're not. Most of the time, you're not. If you can't isolate what a problem is, or even if there is a problem that your partner needs to deal with, you're in trouble. So the we need to talk thing. Oh dear. Most of the time, and I mean most of the time, I can say that quite freely as a woman and having lots of female friends that have been in new relationships, old relationships, uh, I, I, women that have been in relationships for over 30 years. Perfectly happily, and the difference between them and those that don't make it is really clear. Then look at what clients come to me with, what men come to me with. And they roll their eyes, ladies, <laughs> at the whole idea of their partner saying, we need to talk. There's something wrong. I've got to talk to you. And do you know why they roll their eyes? Not because you need to talk. because you haven't got anything constructive to say. So pull that back and ask yourself, am I just being selfish? Do I just want attention? Do I feel like I'm not getting it? Find out what your own problem is before you take it to your partner. I promise you that most men are going to say, why didn't she just tell me? I've heard it again and again. There must be something androgynous about me because guys will tell me that. Blokes will come and say to me, you know, why didn't she just tell me that? Why don't women just talk? Why don't women communicate effectively? And that's the key here. You think you do, but venting isn't communicating. Expressing displeasure at every turn isn't communicating. Saying I need to talk and then saying I'm unhappy isn't communicating. What's he going to do about you being unhappy if he's not the cause of it? It's time to grow up and start acting on understanding your own feelings within your relationship and only take it to your partner when you have a solution for that feeling or when you understand the cause of that feeling and he's it. If he's not the cause, 
then you're only going to be looking to them for support and we don't need to have that we need to talk conversation. If you're really unhappy with your partner and you don't know why, you need to step back and maybe go and have a listen to last week's show, Why Does She Hate You? Um, one of the things to look at here is your personal responsibility in a relationship. Once you take it on, you're taking on the responsibility for your part in that relationship, not for their happiness, and they're not taking on responsibility for your happiness either. But I want you to think back. Was I unhappy before this relationship started? If you were, then you need to get your act together and go and get help for that. Go and find out why you're unhappy. But don't be now starting to put that on your partner for not fixing it for you. It's not what men are in your world for, to fix your old feelings, to fix your past, to fix your hurts. That's not their job. Not only is it not their job, but it's incredibly selfish of you to expect them to do so. And I'll tell you something else. It's dishonest of you to enter into a relationship expecting them to do so and not telling them that at the outset. If you are to start a relationship, I want you to think about this. This is for men and women. The victim statements at the beginning of a relationship. When a person asks me about a relationship at the early stages and they tell me that their partner is making victim statements, I tell them to run because the victim is only looking for somebody to damage because they don't know how to kill themselves. So they will pass on their damage to the next person who allows themselves to be vulnerable to it. Suffering begets suffering. The person's experience hurt and they don't grow and they don't develop past that, then they will make the people around them suffer. There is nothing more selfish in this world than that. That's worse than narcissism, just as we get that clear. And narcissism is one of the lowest of the low. But there's a tiny portion of our society of relationships. The vast majority are not in that zone, that serious, serious zone. It's just selfishness. So selfishness appears when you want somebody to fix your life. And that's not a man's role. That's not a partner's role. At the end of the day, if you've got something wrong with your life, if you are unhappy, if you don't know how to have a good relationship, only you can resolve that. And while you expect somebody else to fix it for you, fix it for you, then you will make them unhappy and they will probably leave you at some point. That is just a given because they will grow to hate you. They will groan inwardly when you want to have endless talks about nothing. They will groan inwardly and then outwardly when all you want to do is criticise them for everything that they are doing. Understood? Now they will know why you're mad at them or why you, you aren't happy with them because you will tell them. You will say, you don't do this and you do that and you don't make me happy. But where's your responsibility in that? Where's your responsibility for your own happiness? And we get to this point where we have between last week's show and this week's show, two people that are only caring for themselves, that means you're not in a relationship with somebody else. In fact, you're not in a relationship at all. You are simply having somebody else in your life to serve as your vassal, your servant, your slave to that part of your being. Ask yourself now, when was the last time, if you think of your partner as not making you happy, when was the last time you stepped out of your way to make them happy? Now, assuming we don't have the issues of last week, that is a different thing. But assuming we don't, when was the last time you stepped into your relationship and your sole thought was the happiness of your partner? I don't just mean the pleasure. 
by the way. We talked sexuality last week. This week we're talking about happiness. When was the last time where you just did something for your partner without the thought of what you would get for it? If you started your relationship and you moved through your relationship with the whole idea being them making you happy, then you will never, please note these words, N-E-V-E-R, you will never have done one thing from the start to today to simply bring joy to them or to make them happy. You will have done absolutely everything so that you get your happiness. Take a breath and think about that for a second. Anytime you start a relationship with, I want somebody to make me happy, you are being selfish. You have chosen not to put yourself into the equation of what you are offering. What are you offering? If you want somebody to make you laugh. Um, I've asked these questions thousands of times over the years of women. What's a good partner to you? Now, here's, here's the funny thing. Um, I recently spoke to a client. Uh, she had never been attracted to men that were shorter than her. And I had said to her a few years back, um, but what if the right guy, what if the right guy was shorter than you? Do you think that focusing on height, she's, she's taller, is superficial? And that becomes the question. If you have a look, a guy's got to have blue eyes, or he's got to have dark hair, or if he's got to have hair at all, if he's got to have these things, you're being selfish. Just like that. You are saying, you are here for me. That doesn't matter what your personality is like. As long as I've got the right look going out into the world, as long as I've got the right image with my partner going out into the world, um, then you may find that you have, you have problems. Because you will only ever choose a partner who's giving something to you. That partner, if they come into the relationship with good faith, will end up not liking you very much. They will see you as high maintenance. They will get frustrated with you. They won't understand what your point is because you'll, you will go for the problems without looking for solutions. You won't sit there and think, maybe I just need to go for a walk for a time. All you will think is, how do I get more attention from this person, more attention, more attention? And as their life is busy or as they continue back into the routines of work and as there may be children or sports or other things going on in their lives, you will get jealous because you have entered into that relationship dishonestly. Then we go to past the uh, we need to talk thing. Seriously, girls, just don't do it. The other one is nagging. Oh, my goodness me. It's such a stereotype. Men do nag women, by the way. So we do know this is true. So if you do it and you're a bloke listening to this, just stop. You're not his parent, okay? You're not his parent. He's not your parent. Nagging is something parents do to their children. What do we do to parents that nag us? We ignore them. It sets a really unhealthy tone in a relationship, not one of violence, but one of resentment. We're back to that. When a person nags us all the time, it becomes petty. So just stop. Don't nag your partner. If they did something through the early part of your relationship and you didn't seem to mind, shut up. <laughs> Get a grip. <clears throat> Hold on to that and deal with it. Does it really matter? Ask yourself now, does it really matter? Is it worth nagging that person and making them not want to be around you? Making them hate you, making them want to find a way to be relieved of your attention. If there is something genuine, then you say it once. That's it. Just say it once and let it go. 
If they choose not to do it, ladies, that's doing your message. Take the message and talk about that message, not nagging about what they did or didn't do. What is the message that a person gives you when they choose not to share something you've said? Now, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the inconsequentials here. Um, sometimes we've got that situation of um, maybe we're talking about the laundry, for example, laundry getting thrown on the floor rather than in the basket. Frankly, deal with that shit right at the beginning, right at the very beginning. Do not wait a year, do not wait six months, do not wait till they move in. If they're, if they're grubby in their own home, they're going to be grubby in yours. Do remember that, do think about that. Now, if they uh, have a tendency to throw their stuff around and they've been cleaned up after by their mothers, by the way, mothers out there, do you want to bring up a good husband or do you want to bring up a sloppy boy? Because that's what you're putting out into the world. Teach your children. Teach them properly. <laughs> so when you've got, got this understanding, say it's the laundry, say the toilet seat argument isn't even an argument, it's inconsequential, completely inconsequential. The toilet roll, which way it's on or off, completely inconsequential. Those are competitive areas and they have no merit and no value in a relationship. It's somebody trying to be controlling, therefore they're trying to be selfish. Understood, ladies? <laughs> if you find that you don't like mess and your partner's a bit messier than you, stop and ask yourself how important is it. Ask them once or let them know right at the very beginning, you know, I won't be able to live with this stuff. Before you've even moved in with somebody, if you haven't told them that and it's true, then you are being selfish. You are saying, I'm going to trap you. I'm going to pretend that I'm okay with your stuff and then I'm going to trap you. Once I've got you, I'm going to nag you because I don't like this about you. I had a woman say to me once about how her husband chews food. Um, well, he wasn't her husband at that time. They've been married since. And I just was stunned. And I said, um, what, is he a pig? And she said, well, no. And I said, so what is it? And she said, well, it's the noise he makes when he chews his food. I said, does he chew with his mouth open or something? And she said, no. And I'm like, I don't get it. And I actually said that to her. I said, I don't get it. Um, what's your problem? And she said, she, she just sort of looked at me. And she said, well, he eats noisily. And I said, so that really bothers you? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, well, dump him, dump him, because he's not going to change. He can't help it. He's just eating. And if you're so alert to the things that he does wrong or that you don't like, then you've got a real problem because you're never going to be happy with this man. And you're going to turn him into feeling like he's criticized for everything he does, even if you can't help it. If you've got a partner who snores, ladies, if you've got a partner who eats in a particular way, if you've got a partner who looks a particular way, does a particular amount of things, and you knew that through the build-up to your commitment to this person, shut up. Deal with it. It's not their problem. It's yours. If you become hypersensitive to something you don't like, it usually indicates anger on some level or it indicates wanting to be in control of that relationship and utilizing criticisms to do that. There is absolutely no reason for an adult woman to be constantly critical of her adult male partner or any partner. We will get to you know, gay relationships at some point, but not today. There is a slightly different dynamic. So whilst many of the principles apply, they don't all apply. 
So there is absolutely no reason for you to parent your partner. As soon as you start parenting your partner, you are in trouble because that isn't what your partner wants. They want a woman. They want a partner. Now, there are a small amount of individual males out there who want a partner to play the role of their mother. It's a very sad event. Don't be that unless you want to be that. But even then, nagging shouldn't be the, the buzz right there, should it? That's where sexuality and things get a little bit confusing. So let's not do that. The other way you can crack dislike in your relationship is to start to um, express jealousy, I guess, for things your partner is doing, like going to work, <laughs> like going to the footy, um, like having friends, like wanting to go out for a night with their mates or visit their mum by themselves. There's this over-clingy attitude um, may only be in one area of their life, but at the same time, it's really not a go. When a person is individual and they have certain aspects in their life that they like, they had them before you arrived, they will have them after you go. I want you to take that on board. Those are the things that will remain within their lives because they like it. If you try to interfere or make it unenjoyable for them, they will not want you. They will start resenting you and therefore end up hating you. I want to talk about that word hate. We try to not say it in the modern world with all things like hate speech. There is such a thing. But there's also hating a partner. And whether we want to admit it or not, this happens. That out and out rage that a person feels, whether they express it or that they feel it and then it goes away and then the person comes home and they're okay again, it's there. And that hate is a hate. And when a relationship breaks down, I've seen pure hate on both sides of that equation for a period of time. And sometimes it doesn't go away. It just turns to bitterness. If you've had that in your past, if you've experienced that hate for a person, whether it's in a moment, allow yourself to acknowledge it, accept it, and see the truth of it. Do you want somebody else to feel that way about you for any period of time of their life? Do you want them to look at you with hate in their eyes or in their heart? Now, I mentioned affairs last week. Women have affairs for slightly different reasons to men. There are women who just want to sleep around, and there are men who just want to sleep around. Stay single. Nobody cares. If you take on a relationship, then you're just being selfish, right? If that's how you want to live. Um, if you walked up to a person and you started dating them and you said, hey, I want an open marriage, I want to have the marriage, I want to have the kids, but I want to be able to sleep with everybody that I want, then it gives the other person an opportunity to be on board or to not be on board. And the most important thing to understand is giving the other person the gift of um, that kind of power to say yes or no, to make a choice, an informed choice, is the most basic human right. And I don't want to say that word right as in how it's appeared over the last years. It's a right. That is to say, you're born with that right. It's a right of choice. You have religious models all over the world telling you that's something that God gave you. I'm not even into God, but I believe in that free will, that free choice. And the only way you can give it to somebody is by informing them of what you're interested in. So for a woman um, that wants to go and get attention from somebody else and she's got a partner who doesn't know that she's doing that, you're being selfish. In fact, you're being selfish in the extreme because you want a lot from that man. 
you may want them to pay for your home, you may want them to share in your expenses to be the provider if you choose to have children, and yet you choose to walk out behind your back to fulfill the need for nothing more and nothing less than attention. When a woman wants attention, she's a dangerous woman insofar as she will create havoc for her own life. She will also bring anger down upon her. When you want attention, you will do negative things to get it. It is not self-destruct dependencies. I don't believe in those. It is attention-seeking. When you've got a spoiled child, they attention-seek by throwing tantrums, right? When you've got a spoiled child, they attention-seek um, if they've been caught pretty a lot. They attention-seek by being coquettish from a very early age, which is disturbing to watch. Then coquettish as in flirting with adult males, by the way. Uh, with any males, with any adult, women or male, that they use cuteness and they use certain behaviours to get what they want, which is attention. They may carry on to get a lolly or whatever, and you might say, well, this is to get that thing. No, it's not. It's to get the attention that goes with it. To get that thing, they need your attention first. Quite an interesting thing. As an adult, if that's your behaviour model, I want attention, then you'd better learn how to deal with that because that is not something adult men are always wanting to give. Not because they don't want to give you attention, but because they can't give you attention all the time. Nobody can do that. In fact, even when a parent did it, half the time it wasn't to give you attention, it was to shut you up. <laughs> so a man will then start lying to you to shut you up. Ask yourself, is that how you want your partner to treat you? Your first question should always be, am I being reasonable or am I being unreasonable? Before you even open your mouth. Now, if you want a person to pay you attention, you may move into the zone of texting them all the time and being nasty if they don't respond immediately or when you want. That is selfish. There is absolutely no merit in sending texts or calling your partner while they're at work. None. Or while they're at the club. All you're saying is, I want attention and I don't want you to forget me. It is the height of insecurity and it makes you high maintenance. Because they will start ignoring your calls, your texts. And then they will lie to you about where they were and what they were doing. And then within a very short period of time, they will not like you. And they will start avoiding you. Now, I want to talk about that word avoiding. Avoiding, when it comes to avoiding, uh, that is not coming home until they have to. That is spending more time being late than on time. That is finding ways to preoccupy themselves. And that isn't an excuse for an affair, anybody that's listening, not even close. If you're not happy in a relationship, deal with your relationship and then go play. If it doesn't work out. If you don't want to be in a relationship, don't get into a relationship and keep playing. If you want the convenience of a warm body at home or somebody who's sharing their life with you or who you can share your life with, there is an element of convenience in not having to go out and try and pick up women or men, right, and try and meet somebody. When you have that element of convenience, there's responsibility that goes with it. Your responsibility is to treat the other person with respect. And running around to have affairs to get attention is total disrespect. It isn't good enough. Now, I mentioned last week about um, monogamy. 
Monogamy is a choice, as I've already mentioned today, but it's more than that. It's an emotional commitment to one person. The emotional commitment is to get to know them better and better over the years. If you think you know somebody over a couple of years, you're incredibly wrong. And the last thing I want to bring up is for longer-term relationships. <clears throat> well, maybe some shorter-term relationships. Don't tell your partner what to eat or what not to eat. And don't tell me, please don't lie and tell me or them that it's because you're worried about their health. It is not because you're worried about their health, unless they have had a heart attack, unless they are sick, unless something went wrong, then that is not what it's about. And so when you understand that, you get a position where um, you can be more honest. And when you're more honest, you have better relationships. So women that tell their partners what to eat create a liar. The men will eat what they want to eat. They are adults who are not their parent. Have your say, absolutely, if there are health issues. Have your say if there are weight issues. But make sure you're living a pristine life in that regard yourself before you say anything. But I don't think you should say anything. I have watched men get nagged at home. I've got friends who do it. And they just go out and they buy their pie or they buy their donut or they buy whatever it is that they want. They just don't do it at home. And they get fussier and fussier at home. Now, it's not right for a person who's not cooking to control the kitchen. That's a whole different discussion. Uh, that's controlling and it's selfish to refuse to eat something or to, to, to enjoy something just to have control over your partner is a very selfish thing to do, especially if it's something you don't dislike. You just want them to conform to your idea and if you're doing that as men you deserve a slapping if you're doing that as women you deserve a slapping so here we go if you've got concerns about your diet and the diet of your household then you buy things that relate to what you want to cook you still cook for the family or you do not but you do not take a partner and say, that's it, you're cut out of the cooking list because I refuse to cook what you eat. That is really selfish. Um, I have a friend who recently did that about two years ago. Her husband's not overweight. They are in their mid-60s. In fact, he's in pretty good shape. He's fairly physical. She's in okay shape. And she decided, literally just decided, that all of the food fads were for her. I like her, but this was like a bit over the top. She decided she was going gluten-free. She decided she wasn't going to eat meat anymore. Um, she decided that she wasn't going to have eggs. Uh, a whole pile of things. A uh, big list. Anyway, so when she decided that, she started shopping just for that and nothing else. And she started cooking meals. Well, he wasn't eating the meals. While she did cook it for him, he said he tried it for a couple of months. It wasn't for him. He didn't want it. So now they both cook their own meals. They've been together for over 30 years. They have grandchildren and she cooks her dinner and then she gets irritated and she'll say things to me like, well, I didn't make enough for him too. He just won't eat what I cook, da, 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 da. And I'm like, but you're not a restaurant and he's not a client. Therefore, don't you think there should be some give and take here? Like you're, you're not, she's not anti-meat or anything. So why not put the steak on? Maybe he'll eat the the other things as long as you throw the, the steak in there with it or the piece of chicken or the egg that you you know you don't have to eat um they live in such a situation he works she doesn't so she does take charge of the kitchen but we do need to think about this ladies you do not control another person that way 
it is incredibly selfish. I'm doing this, therefore everybody is doing this. As a mother and as a partner, is a terrible, terrible energy. The whole reality is for the happiness of the other person, is it not? Um, the happiness of the household. And when you consider the happiness of the household, is your decision and the way you're treating them the correct way? Uh, there are tips and tricks around this, by the way. If you want to improve the diet of your partner and you want them to older the way that they're eating, ask them. What would they like to do? Instead of trying to tell them what you think they should do. Maybe go a, a second stage and ask them what they get out of what they're eating. Um, I advised a man who was 23 kilos overweight, which was significant, but he wasn't a big man in himself. He, he, he was, um, I suppose, essentially, he's like the typical slightly older man with a clock gut, but not really a big man. He wasn't fat all over. So he wasn't so much my reader, but he was a heavy drinker. And when I spoke to him, the first thing that came out of his mouth is, I don't want to be hypnotized to, to stop drinking. He says, I, don't even ask me to stop drinking. He wasn't there for a hypnotizer session. But I said to him, oh, I wouldn't even dream of that. If that's something that you do and if it's an addiction you've got, we'll leave you with it. But you could change other things. That's where we start. Now, that man lost that weight that he didn't like having without changing the one habit he didn't want to change. But we use a little bit of cunning in there. I'd said to him that basically the reason his body was changing the way it was, and he was therefore a fact that he wasn't happy with his body, um, was basically the fact that he wasn't eating and then he was drinking and then he wasn't thinking about what he was going to eat. And then I explained to him that the reason a, a person, any person, that's heavy drinker doesn't eat before they drink is they don't want to be able, they don't want to limit their intake of alcohol, which is addiction, by the way. And so he kind of got it. And I said, the problem there is once you've had enough to drink, which is a daily drinking habit, then you're going and you don't want to cook. You haven't eaten what your partner's cooked at a reasonable time. You're eating late. There's a whole lot of things in there. So I had one recommendation for him. I said, how about you eat healthy snacks before you start drinking? Not a meal, not, you know, a whole buffet or, 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 or chippies keeping away from the junk food side of it. Something, something smart. And so I gave him a, a little menu and his wife actually started making those things and having them there. And he would have a few and then he'd drink. He lost that 24 kilos in just over four and a half months simply by doing that one thing. Two things happened. The sneaky part was he did probably drink a little bit less because he would feel full. The second thing was when the second lot of food came out, the, the dinner, he would eat the dinner that his wife cooked rather than throwing a pie, a meat pie, or eating chippies or eating any fast kind of food. He didn't go shopping for fast food. They lived out in the country. But, you know, they'd buy, buy pies by the dozen and he just throw it in the oven, heat it up, and that would be his dinner. Um, a pie in itself, the meat, the casserole part, it's not really bad, but it's not good on top of the alcohol and the amount of alcohol. So it's about thinking. So ladies, if you really have a genuine, that word, genuine concern, then think your way around it. If you have that ability, it's a smart thing to do. Otherwise, he's going to hate you. That's the late show for tonight. And ciao for now. Catch us next week.